Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. If you will, open your Bibles to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. And I'm just going to give you a, an opening statement just to let you know that I, you are about, I think, the 94, 95th church I've been to in the year and a half that I've been at the State Association um, in the job that I've been in. And I've preached this message at probably 80, 85 of them. When I got, took this job, um, some people ask, well, what's the answer? What are we going to do? Because everybody knows, we talked about it a little bit this morning, everybody knows what's going on in the world. Um, but I want to take you through this passage of Scripture and show you what the Lord has shown me. Um, and then, as your pastor said, the Word of God is the starting point. Um, and so let's just look at this together. Now, before we do that, I always pray, if that's okay. But I always pray Psalm 119, verse 18, where the psalmist writes, Open mine eyes that I can understand your law. Who teaches us this book? Your preacher, Ben, or Josh, or whoever? It's, it's got to be the Holy Spirit. And God has to teach us this book. And so we're going to open with prayer and ask Him to teach us this book. And then we're going to break it down as we go through the sermon today. Father in heaven, thank you for our time today. Thank you for the music. Thank you for the ones that have shared testimony and our time together in the Sunday school hour. Lord, I pray that this morning you will open our hearts and our eyes. And this is a very common psalm, but Lord, I pray that you'll renew it in our minds. And Lord, perhaps maybe even put it to our heart to memorize and to live by its teachings every single day. And Lord, if without you, we don't understand this book. And so we're asking you to open our spiritual eyes today, Lord, to hear what you would have us to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First word when you read this text is a word we've heard a lot here. We hear it in the world today is the word blessed. How many have ever heard that word, right? It actually means to be happy. You know this, right? But that word blessed is huge because in our society, we'll think, you'll see things on social media like hashtag blessed, I got a promotion. Or hashtag blessed, I got to do this. Or we got to go on vacation. Or we got to do these things. Or hashtag blessed, my kid hit a home run. Like We'll take that word blessed in the world's context and we'll just throw it out there. But I, I really think that when you look at the word blessed, as a believer, you really should be careful how you say that and how you use that word. I had a professor one time that used to say, be careful how you use the word awesome because God's the only awesome thing in the world. So don't just throw these words out. As a believer, when we say blessed, we're making a statement. Okay, so hold that truth there as we go into the next part of this of this text. So he says, blessed is the man or the person who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, stands in the way of the sinners or what? Sits in the seat of the scornful. Now, here you have somebody walking along life, going along drive life, and they're getting their counsel from somebody. Their counsel coming at them from all different angles. So let me ask you it this way. When, when you go through life and when you're looking for answers, where do you go to? God or Google? Right? Okay? Or in, in the evangelical world, now hear me, now know my heart, I'm not preaching politics, okay? Or is it God or Fox News? Because if you don't understand something, you need to pay attention. Certain news agencies are tied into the evangelical movement, and they've connected those two groups together because they know who's watching those. That's where they're getting their counsel from. 
But those same news agencies will say, I wrote a book about Jesus, but promote transgenderism. Do, do you understand? Like you can't do both. And so the Bible says here, the psalmist writes, blessed is the person who does not get his counsel from other places. We'll go to our friends before we ever go to God. In fact, I would argue, I would argue that as a true follower of Christ, you should go to prayer in the word of God before you ever even go to your preacher. Now, go to your preacher and say, hey, look, I need some help with this. Here's what I'm struggling. I'm looking in the scriptures. Could you help me find it in the word? Don't just say, preacher, what do you think? That's not saying that he's ungodly, but this has got to be where we go. Okay, so blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, then what? Stands in the way of the sinners. So there's, there are, there's, a, there's a teaching out there that says we shouldn't hang around sinners. I get that. But Jesus ate with the sinners. Jesus spent time with the lost. We're not going to reach the lost unless we're with them. Okay? But as a church following, Christ following, excuse me, culture, as we're walking through life, when we have those moments and you come across someone who's lost, don't stay with them all the time. Don't let them pull you in. It's the old youth, uh, youth group thing we used to say. It's easier to pull somebody into the pool than pull them out. So a youth group would come, somebody in the youth group would come up to me and say, well, I'm going to date a lost person so I'm going to get them saved. I'm like, uh, it doesn't work that way. I'm going to marry somebody that's lost and get them to church. It doesn't work that way. Like you, you can't do these things. So the person that's walking through life who pauses in these moments and now look at what he says is sitting in the seat of the scornful. Now there's a lot of ways to take this, but listen to me. Did you know, did you know that the world hates God? Like they they really are. Uh, my wife and I were talking, it was, it's been about two years now. We got rid of Netflix and here's why. They put out a movie that said Jesus was a homosexual. And I said, no more. I'm not going to invest into that culture. Our family has shut out Disney. That's us. I just will not invest into that culture. I can't. I, as a God-fearing man, now, you, you do you. But I'm telling you, as for me and my house, we can't stop and invest in those things because they hate the ways of God. Now, here's another way I want you to look at this. Look at the progression or the de-progression as you see this person. They're walking along and they're starting to get their counsel from other things other than God. Now they're pausing and looking at it and now they're involved in it. It's, a, it's, there, it's pulled them away. Well, this is since the beginning. Look at Eve. Adam and Eve are walking along in the garden. The Lord's talking to them and taught them and giving them clear instruction. Then Satan steps in and separates Eve for a little bit. And as she's walking, he says, stop and look at that right there for just a second. And she stops and begins to stare at that fruit. And she begins to ponder. And then what does she end up doing? She ends up partaking of the fruit. Now tell me, how did that turn out for us? I'm not being silly, but how did that turn out? There's that, there's that falling away because now you're partaking of it, you're supporting it, and it gets to the home, and it, that's what Satan wants to do. And I think that one of the reasons that this is the first psalm is the psalmist is saying, happy or blessed is the person who avoids the trap of falling away, of being pulled into the world. We are, we are trying to get people to come to know Christ on 45 minutes a week. And the world's doing it the other time, pulling it so many different ways. And as a follower of Christ, what do we need to do? He says, avoid those things. But then what does he say? He gives you the answer to this. The person does do these things. Verse 2, his delight, his joy is in what? 
the law of the Lord, the book, the Bible. Like this is something that he enjoys reading, enjoys being time in. He says the law, he meditates on it on Sunday morning. Is that what it says? It doesn't say that. But the majority of our people are telling us, Deuteronomy 6 and uh, D6 ministries are telling us that most people only read the Bible less than one hour or get a Bible less than one hour of 168 a week. Meaning the majority of churches, and this is why I preach this at most churches, the majority of people in the pews, the only Bible they get is on Sunday morning from the man in the pulpit. That's the only Bible they get. And it says here, blessed, happy is the person who avoids this trap of falling away, of being pulled in the world, and delights himself and gets his counsel from here every day. Every day. David writes later on, I think in Psalm 119.97, he even takes it to the step where he says, Oh, how I love your law. I've fallen in love with the book. When I met my wife, I knew day one I was going to marry her. I called my mom and I told her. Mom says, now, Ben, take your time. And I said, now, Mama, all them speeches my entire life says, Ben, you'll know when you know. And I said, I know. I'm not going to ask her to marry me tomorrow, but I knew it. Now, I spent time with her. Is that wrong? Now, what if I said to her that first day, hey, I like you. I'll call you once a week, maybe, unless I got some other things to do. Our relationship probably would not have built. But how do we treat God that way? Ladies, I asked you a question this morning. Let's ask another question today. What if you only saw your husband 45 minutes a week? Maybe, unless you had other things to do. How would your marriage be? And those are silly questions. But Gary, that's how we treat the Lord sometimes. And we wonder why the marriage is in trouble. Man, goodness gracious, don't even get me started on the family sermons and how families aren't spending time together. But here we're saying, here's your spending time with the Lord. Who? You and God. His teaching, His ways applying to your life on a daily basis. That's how this works. And that person will be blessed. And you don't just read it. Listen, I love daily Bible reading plans. But I, I say to people, be careful about the check in the box mentality. Don't just read a chapter and say, well, I did it. I mean, I'm telling you, take Psalm 1, put it to memory. Read it every day for 30 days. Put it to your heart. Quote it. Come talk to your pastor about it. Come talk to Josh about it. Come to just, 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 in, just cover yourself with this psalm just on a regular basis. Just constantly think about it. And ask the Lord, am I, am I doing what you want me to do? And watch what happens to your Bible reading plan. Then go on later on and read Galatians, the fruits of the Spirit. That's a good one to study. But go up a couple verses where it says the fruits of the flesh are. And then see if any of those things apply to you and start thinking about those things and see if the word cuts at you and say, man, that is me. I need to work on that. I need to get rid of that. And just, just really constantly have that relationship with the Lord on a daily basis. So blessed is the person who avoids being pulling, pulling away and pulled into the world, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on it, he meditates day and night. Now, he gives a description of this person. This person is going to be like something. What is it going to be like? Like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his due season, his leaf I shall not wither, and whatsoever he do shall prosper. What do you not see here? This is not a seed being planted to make a tree. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a replant of a tree that's already a tree. 
put where God wants it to be planted, doing what God wants it to be doing, and being fed by what God wants to feed it with. This is a picture of salvation. God takes you where you are and puts you where he wants you to be. Here's what I tell people all the time. Quit trying to save people before they know Jesus. What I mean, quit trying to talk to them about their dress. Quit trying to talk to them about their life. Quit trying to talk to them about their vocabulary. Quit trying to talk to them about, talk to them about Jesus. Let Jesus get a hold of their lives. Let Jesus change them. Let Jesus pull them in. Let them get saved and then say, all right, let me show you what Jesus wants you to do. But a lot of times we won't invite people to church by just by the way they look. But when our own lives, we were in a situation once where God got a hold of us and put us where he wanted us to be. How do you know that? The Bible says that God loved us so much that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Why did he do that? Because he loved us. He says in the text, I died for you before you ever got saved. I paid for it before you ever accepted me. I knew where you were. I knew what you were. I knew where I wanted you to be. My dad used to have a Corvair. You guys know what a Corvair is? The old, he had a red one with the 180 horses. I liked it. Mom hated it. I thought it was cool as a kid. But one of the things that I like about that car is it, I like the older car mentality. I, I love watching the shows on TV where the, the guy will go down the farm roads like this and he'll come to an old barn and the little lady will take him back there and she says, yeah, this was my husband's. And they'll pull the tarp back and there'll be a car there with three wheels and rust and the engine will be on the, on the table there and there's some massive eat. I mean, you get the picture. She says, I just want it gone. So he gives her $2,000 for the thing, takes it back to his shop, works on it, makes it what he wants to be. Then he takes it back to Barrett Jackson and sells it for $100,000. I love that. What? Why would he buy a car that looks that way? If I bought a car like that and brought it home, my wife would be like, what are you doing with that in my garage? Like she would, she would kill me if there was a rust bucket in the car. But in, in the seriousness of this, the guy that bought the car knew what he was buying. Ladies and gentlemen, Christ knew what he was paying for. And all he's saying is, I bought you. Get to know me and let me put you where I want you to be. And it's not just to be here either. You see, this, is, this takes it a step further. You're not here just to be in a pew. Another quote by Greer that I, I misspelled this morning. I'm sorry, Josh. Another quote by Greer is he says, don't measure your church off seating capacity, measuring off of sending capacity. How many in here are willing to do what God's called you to do? Well, how do we know what God's called us to do? By getting our counsel and our instructions and our teachings from Pastor Gary? No, from this. Now, Pastor Gary believes in this book, and he studies this book, and he preaches this book. That is hugely a big part of what we're doing. But daily, the man and woman of God needs to be in this book because it is what? It is their delight. They've married it. They've fallen in love with this book, and God puts them, Christ puts them where he wants them to be, and they will yield fruit. And I'm not talking like the Kenneth Copelands of the world on TV that you're going to get a jet and a million-dollar home and everything's going to be great. That's false teaching. But I believe a church that it's invested, with people that are invested in the book, I believe the Lord adds to that. I just do. I believe the Lord gives the increase there. Now, look at verse 4. Now, this is, this is crazy. He's given two descriptions. One is a tree. Now, here's the question before we read it. Ben doesn't use this vocabulary. 
So don't leave here saying, well, he, saw, he called me a bad name. What does God use as a word to call those who don't meditate and study the word daily? Ungodly. Another translation of that word is wicked. God says, you are wicked and ungodly if you don't do this. The ungodly are not so. In fact, he says, they are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Pay attention. You're either part of the family or you're not. There's no in-between ground. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no opinions on this matter. You are either in the family or you're not. I'm either married to my wife or I'm not. It's just that's the way it works. There's, there's this action. It's, you, well, I'm, not a, I'm not a work salvation guy, but I truly believe it's the old cliche. If you're saved, you're going to do what? You're going to work. You're going to do what Christ wants you to do and be what Christ wants you to be. And you're going to teach your children to do the exact same thing. You're going to raise up the next generation of people who, what? Study daily the book. Because we want to be a church that God wants. I, listen, I don't want to go to heaven or the judgment day and Christ say, you're ungodly. Because the ungodly, he describes as a chaff, which is what? Blown away. There is no effort on that day. You read the last days in Revelation, and there's a lot of opinions of what's going to happen. But it says that there will be an uprising. People will rise up against God. They will curse him. They will scream out. And then in a moment, the Lord's going to show up. Daniel writes about it in Nebuchadnezzar with a dream. A small stone will come down and cast and break all those kingdoms. It'll, it'll destroy it all. And a great mountain will rise up. The kingdom of God will be bigger than all that, right? But there is no effort on God's part on the day of judgment to separate the wheat and the chaff. There's not going to be. I don't want to be the chaff. I don't want to be on that side. I don't want to be the waste because, look at verse 5. Here's the result of this. If you are not a tree, if you are, excuse me, if you are a tree, your result is you're going to bear fruit. You're going to be planted. You're going to be saved. You're, those are, that's the result. If you're ungodly, the results are what? You will not stand in the judgment. Pay attention to this. A lot of people read that and say, well, that means they don't have to go to judgment. But that's not what that means. Here's what that means. In our Judge Judy world, your argument is invalid. There's nothing you can do, say, plead, or cry out at that moment that will fix what's getting ready to happen. I can't, I've told Carson this, you can ask him. I said, Carson, the, the, the crazy thing about the salvation thing is I can't get you into heaven by holding your hand. At, he's, I said the other day, I said, you're, you're growing into being a man. You're at a place in your life. You're making decisions that now affect the rest of your life. So as your dad, I can't make you obey God. I can't make you do these things. I can advise it. I can say if you do stupid things, I'm going to take your cell phone and your car and, your, you know, all those things. I can do that. But I cannot make my son get to heaven. And I think a lot of people think they're going because their name's on a roll or their mama got them wet one time in a baptistry. Or they got saved years ago because they repeated after me. There's a lot of things that people have done for years in the tradition of the church. And they don't even have a relationship with the Lord. And the Lord says, you're going to be like the chaff. I'm going to separate you. And you get to judgment. Your argument is invalid.
That scares me to death. And if it doesn't bother you, there's probably a bigger issue here than whether you're reading the Bible or not. Let me do this. Secondly, it says the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. You know what that tells me? And you can underline this, that there is a congregation of the righteous. There is a place for God's people. The godly will be with him. In fact, we'll be together. We sing the old song, what a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see, we will be there. But that scripture says the congregation. I want to be there and not the chaff. How about you? Now, Ben, you're saying reading the Bible along saves me? No, absolutely not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that somebody that's saved will want to know the person that saved them and want to have that relationship and want to get to know them. And the way to do that is by studying this book daily because I don't want to be separated on the day of judgment because there's nothing I can say, do, or plead that will get me in. Now, why is this important? Well, the psalmist ends in verse 6. He says this very simply. Because the Lord knows who's right and who's wrong. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. And the Lord knows the way of the wicked. He already knows your You know right now, listening to this sermon, you know by every sermon he's ever preached on, on the Word. You know a sermon, every sermon Josh has preached about studying the Word. You know every, every time they stand up here, you know in your heart, that's me. But I won't say anything because I don't want my neighbor to know. I won't raise my hand because I don't want my preacher to know. Folks, Jesus already knows. He already knows. Now, why do I take that psalm so seriously? Well, it happened a few years ago when we were at our last church. The pastor that I was under was an expository preacher. Um, he taught expository preaching. He believed in taking the text verse by verse and teaching the Bible. I just, I believe in that. I believe in teaching the whole counsel of God, Genesis to Revelation, just teach and preach the book. That's the way to do it, Okay. I, people have argued there's not enough material for that. John MacArthur took 47 years to preach through the New Testament. There's enough material to do this verse by verse, okay? But I saw a video of a missionary that was translating the Bible to a tribe. This tribe had never, this tribe had never had a written copy of the Bible. Can you imagine not having a written copy of the Bible? Right? That's what, they just never had it. And so this guy was going to this tribe on a daily basis, many times he could. Number one, he had to learn their language. He had to come up with a write, he had to come up with a language to write it because they didn't have a written language. So he had to figure that out. They had to put all the grammar together. Then he began to translate the Bible into their language. And for years he spent his life translating the scriptures to this culture. And finally, the video starts with a Cessna flying in, and he's bringing in Bibles to this culture. And so as they're flying over the jungle, they look down and there's this, it's a celebration. And listen, they're, they're dressed in white, there's flowers, there's, they've got torches up, and Josh, they're dancing, Josh. They're excited because this plane's coming in. And it was, when they landed, it was almost like the Ark of the Covenant. These men would, these men would go up to the plane like this, right? They opened the door and they picked this thing up, with, this box up with some sticks. And as they were going, people were touching and screaming and shouting in their language. They were excited about them getting their Bibles that day. I mean, they were excited just to, just to have the opportunity to have it, okay? Then they, they, they put the box down, and the village elder goes up. They open up the book, or the box, excuse me, and he takes out his first copy, and he kisses it. 
And with tears in his eyes, he walks over to the guy that's going to replace him, the next elder. And he gives it to him and he says, quote, teach it to your children. It's your turn now because we have it memorized. I said, what? He says, you take these and teach it to the next generation because we have it memorized. Now, please know my heart when I do this. Most people that go to church today, when service is over, they go, what's for lunch? Or I'm going to leave this Bible here to save my seat for next week. Or the dash on top of the car, just leave it up there until the next week. And the only time they ever open it is when the preacher says, open your Bibles too. And we wonder why in the world we're having the problems we're having. If somebody were to say to me, Ben, in one sentence, in one sentence, what are you going to do about everything? You ready? I'm going to read the book. What do you do about all the problems? Well, let's look at the book. Because ultimately, the congregation, the righteous, guess, guess what they are when they're there? I think we're going to be happy when we're in heaven. I think there's going to be joy in heaven. When I read about them singing in heaven, the lamb that was slain, holy, there's a, there's a joy about finally being in heaven. That's when we as believers can truly say, we are blessed. We are happy because we are home. So maybe we should really rethink our lives when it comes to this book. Because God says, I want you to understand it and I want you to know it. I want you to memorize it. I want you to put it in your heart. I want to teach it to your kids. I want you to read it. You're supposed to study it and study to show yourself approved unto who? Your deacon board? No. Your study is supposed to show yourself approved unto God. Rightly dividing what? A commentary? No. This book. You guys should hold him accountable to study this book. If he starts giving up and giving sermons on nothing but illustrations all the time, you need to pull him aside and say, Preacher, I love you. How was your study time this week? I mean, it's that serious when it comes to this. Because the majority, here, listen to me. I say this, I wanna, I'm, I'm going to be careful how I say this. I, I am free will Baptist to the core, and I believe in the Holy Spirit, Gary. I 100% believe in the Holy Spirit. But we have churches that now have people who get up, and they'll just, they haven't even opened their Bible all week, Josh. They'll say, well, let's, let's look at what the Holy Spirit gives us today. And they haven't talked to the Holy Spirit all week. How do they know that's the Holy Spirit giving them that? Or they'll read a passage of Scripture and then they'll close their Bible and they'll talk for 30 minutes and not even tell us what the text means. And we wonder why the churches are in decline. So this morning over there we talked about rowing together. Grab your paddle and start rowing. Grab your paddle and get it up and read it. Now I will say, I came here knowing who your pastors are, and the direction they're taking the church. I would have imagined you've heard from this pulpit on a lot, you need to read your Bibles. I would imagine that. from the, I've heard it like 10 times already this morning. I'm like, great. I was actually going to preach on Exodus not too long ago until I heard that Josh took like seven years to go through the book of Exodus, and I said I didn't want to do that, okay? I'm being serious, I was, I'm, but that's okay. That's okay. But when I stand here and say, okay, Statistically, right now, you're looking in the mirror between you and yourself. You're not lying to yourself. You're being honest. And, God, and, and you're saying to yourself, am I daily engaged in the book? Yes or no? 
If we're 100% in this church, I'm going to say you're rare. So are we in the book? Because I want to be blessed. I don't want to be pulled away by society. I want to be planted where God wants me to be. I want to be the fruit bearing that he wants me to be. And when the judgment day comes, I don't want to stand on my own job and what I've done. I want to stand on what Christ has told me to do, which is believe in him, study who he is, and then be in the congregation of the righteous. Because that day of separation is coming. And once that day happens, that's it. That's it. Will you let me pray for you this morning? Will you, will you just bow your heads and close your eyes and let's just talk for a moment. And let's ask the Lord to just put something in our heart right now. If there's something that you're dealing with right now, if this is like reminded you again of something that you're not doing, if reading the word is not serious to you yet, if, if studying the Bible is not serious to you yet, man, let's, let's confess that. I think that's a sin. Let's confess that sin that, Lord, we've not taken this seriously. You just sang a few moments ago, I surrender all, all to him I owe. Did we mean it? Do we truly mean that we are surrendering our lives to do and know what he tells us to do? We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we made together and embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.